In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, today, uh, this morning, we consider Luke chapter 16, the words of the gospel lesson, the words of Jesus about the rich man and Lazarus. And what I'll do is simply preach this text in two parts, first about the rich man and then about Lazarus. Regarding the rich man, the first thing you notice is that he doesn't have a name. Uh, Lazarus has a name. It means God, uh, God is my help. But the rich man doesn't have a name. He's just called the rich man. And he's defined by what he had at one point in his life. Some temporary fading material things. And this is typical of many of the rich and wealthy. They like to be known because of their wealth. And they are proud of it and they confide in it. The second thing you notice is that this rich man is now in hell. Now, what many do is they simply conclude, well, the rich man went to hell because he was rich, as if being wealthy is sinful. But that is not true because Abraham and Job and others who were incredibly rich and have died are in heaven with the Lord, as Scripture tells us. Even more, Jesus doesn't say it's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 19, he says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It is very, very difficult, but not impossible. Besides that, the scripture doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving of money that some have wandered away from the faith. So though having money and a lot of money is not sinful, it is a very, very dangerous position to be in. You'd be wrong to think also that this is just a rich person problem because poor people face the same temptation. Even simply wanting a lot of money is very, very dangerous to your soul. So this is a stern warning that if you think a lot about money and wealth and riches, if you dream about it and fantasize about it and make it a great endeavor in your life, then you ought to repent. The scripture is very clear about the weakness of your heart. And it does not take much money for you to treat it like your God. With all this being said, this rich man is in hell, is not in hell because he was rich. And so you must say then, well, it must be because he was a greedy person. He loved money. Well, that is the other mistake. This man isn't in hell because he is greedy. As if the way for him to avoid hell is to be less greedy or to be more generous or as if simply being a kinder person to the poor would have earned his way into heaven. If that is the case, then how much generosity is enough? How much kindness is enough? We know that our works cannot save us or contribute to our salvation. Even Lazarus himself was not generous and loving and kind enough as he should have been because all have fallen short of the glory of God. And yet Lazarus is in heaven and the rich man is in hell. 
So what, what is going on? Why? Why is this rich man in hell? What is the problem? Well, we don't have to guess because the Bible tells us. While the man is in hell, he talks to Abraham. And the rich man is in such pain and torment that he doesn't want his brothers to go to hell too. So he pleads with Abraham. He tries to come up with something to have God resurrect Lazarus from the dead and go warn his brothers about hell. And then Abraham says this. He says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And here it is. The rich man says, no. No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead... Then they will repent. Do you see that? This is why the rich man is in hell. The reason this man is in hell is not because he's rich or greedy. Those are just symptoms of the real problem. The reason he is in hell is because he rejected Moses and the prophets. That is, he rejected the word of God. Abraham even responds to him and he says, look, if, if, if they, your brothers, don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So even if Lazarus did resurrect and go to them, they still wouldn't believe him. Why? Because what else is Lazarus going to tell them besides the word of God? If you reject the word of God, you're going to reject it no matter what. You believe the word of God because of what it says, not because of who says it. Now, the rich man wants his brothers to go to heaven. Abraham says they have everything they need to go to heaven. They have the word of God. Your brothers have the nothing short of the one thing needful, the very word of God that converts hearts and makes you wise into salvation. In theology, we call this the sufficiency of Scripture. The Bible doesn't reveal answers to everything in this life as if it were some sort of encyclopedia of human knowledge or something. Neither does the Bible reveal everything pertaining to God and his will. There are many things we don't know. But what the Bible does teach us is this. It teaches us perfectly everything we need to know to obtain eternal life. And if you're looking for salvation from sin and death and hell then the Bible is sufficient for that. This Bible that we have right now, <clears throat> this word is why Abraham and Lazarus and every single saint is in heaven. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, The Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. In John 6, Jesus himself says, The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. John 6 says, uh, Peter tells Jesus, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. John 20 says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So this is why the rich man's words are so revealing. Abraham affirms this all. He's, he affirms the sufficiency of scripture and says, look, your brothers, don't worry about them. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And then the rich man says, no, even from hell, the rich man is doing what? He is belittling the word of God. He rejects its power to save people. The doctrine which saves, he rejects it. And if he is disparaging the word of God while he is in hell, then what do you think he did his, in his life, his entire life? 
He didn't cherish it or hold it sacred or gladly hear and learn it. He despised it. And in his mind, he came up with a better way. He came up with a better way to save people. He says, look, go send them someone from the dead. Then they'll repent. In other words, that dusty old Bible is not going to work. If you just have the Bible, it's not enough. You need something else. It's not good enough. God needs a better way, a more effective way to reach people and bring them into heaven. If they're going to believe in Jesus, the thing that you have given to us is not enough. The word is not enough. That is the man's argument. And here's this rich man in hell giving God advice about how to grow the church. (laughs) He's counseling God and giving his own input unsolicited advice here. This is exactly like uh, the unbeliever today who who offers all of his own advice on what the church needs to do in order to grow. They don't even believe in Jesus, and yet they are giving us advice on what we need to do as a church, what needs to happen, what we need to change, what we need to preach about, what we need to uh, tinker with and mess with and change, what we need to get rid of and add to the church in order for the church to grow. That is the advice that they are giving. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And why in the world would we take advice then from them, from, from people like this? Why would, be, we, why would we be influenced or persuaded by this? So this is fundamentally the rich man's problem. He rejected the word. He rejected Moses and the prophets. And his greediness and his failure to love his neighbor was a symptom of his unbelief. Now now we consider our dear brother Lazarus, the beggar who was despised by the world, who died a lonely death, Who is in heaven forever with the Lord? Lazarus is in heaven not because he was a better man or kinder or because this is just the fair and just thing to do as if having a comfortable and good life means that you will uh, that it will even out in the afterlife that you will go to hell then or if you have a very bad difficult life then God will just usher you into heaven as if that's the way it works the truth is that not all the rich go to hell and neither do all the poor go to heaven Lazarus is in heaven because he did the exact opposite of the rich man, which was this. He did not despise the preaching of the word, but he held it sacred and gladly heard and learned it. That is the only thing, the only reason why Lazarus is with the Lord. He went to heaven because he heard Moses and the prophets preach about the Messiah, the Christ who would one day come to shed his blood and forgive his sins and save him from this poor life of labor, from this veil of tears. That and that alone is the cause of Lazarus' salvation. And this one whom the world looked down upon is the one we should look up to. He should be our example. I really want you to think about this. On earth, Lazarus was a failure. He had nothing. He was not attractive or winsome or clever. He wasn't really good at anything, at least not good enough to make a living. 
He was poor and despised. He had nothing to boast about. He had no accolades. The dogs came and licked his wounds, his sores. Nothing was named after him. No awards, no parties thrown in his name. He didn't have a house or a table to eat at. He was weak and dying and alone. And he is the example that Christ sets before us today. And why? Does God want us all to be poor and needy? Is God telling us to take a vow of poverty here? No, God is not saying that you should live like him, but he is saying that no matter who you are, you will die like him. That is, you will die like a beggar. Ecclesiastes chapter three says, what happens to the children of man and what happens to beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath and man has no advantage over the beast for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. Again, chapter nine says it is the same for all since the same event that is death happens to the righteous and the wicked to the good and the evil to the clean and the unclean to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. Psalm 49 verse 10 says, even the wise die. The, food, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. And this is the point. On our own, even the richest kings and emperors are nothing but beggars before the Lord. In fact, the very last words that Luther ever wrote down were crumbled up on a piece of paper in his pocket. And it said, written on there, we are old beggars. This is true. It's the last thing he wrote. Now, I know it looks different now. I know some have great lives. Some have no worries or less worries. Some have a lot of money. Some have a great inheritance. Some have great homes and cars and all these things. But in that final hour, we will all look the same. Do you, do, do you realize that? It makes no difference how much money you have or what you own. It will not change a thing. No matter how different the lives of the rich man and Lazarus were, their end was exactly the same. Both of their lungs stopped breathing. Their hearts stopped beating. They both closed their eyes once and for all in death. No matter what, <clears throat> your health and wealth and success will all come to naught. It will be undone. It will crumble and turn to dust and the day will come when you must let go of every single thing and then you will be a beggar before the Lord. And in that final moment, you dear Christians, who will be forced to have nothing, you will still have the word. And that means you will have everything. Like Lazarus, you will have only the word and you will have everything you need and it is in fact all you have ever needed in this life while everything else fails you god's word will not in that moment when everything else is taken away from you you will then in that instant be richer than you've ever been you will have more than you've ever had 
Your final breath here will be your first moment in glory. And even if you are alone in that moment, even if no one else is around or comes to your funeral, the Lord himself will be there and his holy angels and they will bear you home. The word of forgiveness, this absolution which you hear today, which you apprehend by faith alone, is your dearest treasure. So no matter how much trouble and sorrow you see in this life, for you who trust in the Lord and his promise to save you, he will rescue you from it all. The one thing you need the most is the one thing you now have, which is his word. You have Moses and the prophets and you hear them again. You heard them again once, to, once again today. You have the word which brings you to repentance. And this word, this text, this, this sermon, these words are sufficient for your salvation. There's nothing else you need because you now have it all. Hear the words of the hymn that we just sang. <clears throat> Uh, hymn 708, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. Um, if your pastor is, whoever he is, is ever sad or going through a difficult time or anything, uh, I guarantee you just sing this hymn to him. <laughs> Him, Sing the hymn of the day, hymn 708, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. You sing that or write it down or send it to him and I guarantee you everything will change in his mind and in his heart. <laughs> is the, the most beautiful hymn. Listen to these words. Uh, and, and you should memorize this too, by the way. Lord, let at last thine angels come. To Abram's bosom bear me home that I may die unfearing. And in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death, Awaken me, that these my eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend, my prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.